Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Amen. We've had our first week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, how many of you enjoyed it? I want to ask again. How many enjoyed the fasting this week? Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your faith. Those of you that said that real loud, you probably were, you know, you maybe you were just fasting um, broccoli or Brussels sprouts. If you were just doing a partial fast, and if you can manage, maybe up it a little bit this week, the intensity. But, but the whole idea is that we will lean in to, to prayer, lean in to God, and, and really seek the Lord. And I guess I'm going to be ministering on that here this morning. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, it is our, our custom in this church to um, stand for the opening text and reading of the Word of God. And... Um, is also our custom that at the end of the preaching we have an altar service a time for prayer this is a, the house of prayer it's not a place of entertainment or just uh, socializing though uh, we, we do fellowship and we want to encourage that after the service talk to somebody you don't know meet somebody maybe today we're all part of the body of christ so let's go to john let's go first of all the gospel of john chapter 1 verse 14 and then we're going to go to second corinthians 3 just one verse in John, John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 14, and the Word, what was the Word? God, the Word God, God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our theme for this year, and this is our series this year so far, is for His glory. You see in the back wall here, for His glory. And, and He says, we beheld His glory as though the only, of the only begotten of the Father. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and verse 18. Really wanted to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, is going to read the, the, the last two verses of 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. He says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Who's he talking about? Who's the Lord? Jesus is the Spirit. Not another Spirit, but the Holy Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, beholding, there it is again, are being transformed into the same image. What image? The image of Jesus. And we go from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to talk to you on this thought, beholding to become, beholding to become. Let us pray one more time. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. We ask you, Lord God, once again, as we open our ears to hear your word, that our hearts be open, Lord God. 
I ask you, Lord, that your anointing would be in this house as you anoint your people, your servant, oh God. Let the, the living word preach the written word, Lord God. Let your spirit speak. The letter kills, but the spirit brings life. And so bring life to the word of God today as you speak to us once again. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can clap your hands one more time and give them praise. Glory to God. Amen. If you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. Amen. This is a Pentecostal church. We are renowned for getting a little bit exuberant, but please don't feel obligated to have to do anything you don't feel comfortable in doing. Uh, if you just want to sit and observe, you're very welcome to. And, um, you know, we act a little crazy sometimes, but we're not that weird. Well, some of us. But, but we believe in the call and response. We believe that if you hear something that you, you believe is to be true from the Word of God, then you can say amen. If you can't give me a Pentecostal amen, then give me a, a Baptist nod. If you can't give me a Baptist nod, then you can just give me a Methodist cough. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just... I haven't eaten, so I'm in a bit of a mood today. Uh, forgive me, Lord. Glory in the Hebrew is the word kabod, which literally interpreted means heavy. Uh, that, that means when something is heavy, it, it's, it's valuable. You know, back in the day when they would trade, they would trade in weight, and they would put a weight and a balance. The heavier it is the more valuable it is. And, and so when we talk about the glory of God, we're referring to the value of God, that he is weighty, he's important, he's profound. And, and we're, we're looking at that. And, and I, I just felt the Lord lead me to this as our theme this year, but I never did I realize just how many times the word glory appears in the Bible. It's, we could be here all year preaching on the glory of God. Uh, but but I, I, I'm just uh, enamored by this, this text that I believe the Lord is leading me that about the beholding the glory of God or looking at the glory of God. Uh, I was reading in the Old Testament this week and how uh, in God's perfect judgment and omniscience, uh, he, he sees that the children of the Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah were so wicked, a city that was filled with such wickedness that God felt compelled to pronounce judgment upon this city because of its evil. And, and when people read this, and of course, you know, Sodom is where we get the word sodomy from. So you can imagine the kind of wickedness and sin that was in the city that when the angels of the Lord came to the house of Lot, the, the men of that city wanted to take them and have relationships, physical relations with them. That, that even to the point where Lot wanted to, to, to offer his own daughters to, to make sure that they don't uh, defile these men. Just, just incredible uh, evil and, and depravity that this city was under. And so God said, um, he's going to pronounce judgment. Now, when we look at the scripture, sometimes we get a little bit confused or perplexed to see, man, how, that's pretty mean. How can God just pronounce a genocide and wipe out an entire people? 
And, and we feel like that, that's something very difficult to comprehend in Scripture. Uh, but, but we just have to understand that, that God is a righteous judge. That His justice is perfect. And His omniscience, that means He knows all things. So He can look at the heart of a person and He can know whether that person has the capacity to change. And so when he looks at the people of Sodom, he saw already that there's no, no room for, for reform. There's no room for, for conviction and guilt and change. And so immediately he pronounces judgment to destroy them straight away. Now, we don't have the right to do that, but God does. And, and there will be a judgment for all people when our life on earth is through. Amen. And so... Uh, you know, let me just make a little inference to say, make sure that, that your heart is never at a place where you are so closed. Amen. Amen. Never, never let yourself or your heart get to a place where you, you cannot change, where, where you can't turn away from, from sin. Amen. And I, I suspect that you, your presence here today shows that there is an element in your heart that you are open to God. But, but this is a tragic story where uh, uh, the people of God, were, uh, the, the people of Sodom rather, were in such wickedness that God was going to destroy them. But had it not been for the intercession of Abraham, uh, the, his nephew Lot would not have been saved. And so the angels come to take Lot and his wife and his daughters out of the city. And, and he leads them, the angels of the Lord, leads this family out by the hand. And as, as they leave the city, God begins to rain down fire and brimstone upon the city. Levels the city. Destroys everybody there. God pronounces judgment. And in the nick of time, his, the family of Lot are, are escape until, until tragedy strikes. Lot's wife looks back. When the angel already told them, you run for your life and don't look back. And she looks back and immediately she turns into a pillar of salt. Maybe it was a Himalayan salt. Maybe she was wearing pink or something. But there's a place, I think the ladies went to Israel and they looked at it. And, and, and I thought about that for a moment. And it was perplexing to me because if that was me, I would have been very tempted to do the same. Like you're, you're walking, you think you're hearing all of this calamity behind you, you know, like fireworks behind you. And then I would have been very tempted to kind of just, mm, what's happening here? Human nature for all of us to, to just sort of be able to take a look. It's like watching a train wreck, you know. It's, it's horrible, but you can't take your eyes off of it. Uh, that's what it would have been like. And so I can relate to this woman, and yet she turned into a pillar of salt. Because the, the, the problem wasn't the fact that she, she turned. The, the problem was that what she did, her action, was a reflection of something deeper that was in her heart. Her action of turning her head to look back, it represented in her heart something deeper. It wasn't just the turning of her head. It was the longing of her heart. It's because she longed for what she had left behind. It's because her heart was still attached to somewhere else. And I want to say to you today, brothers and sisters, we've got to be very careful. Amen. We've got to make sure that we continue to look to Jesus, to behold him. 
Because the Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to continue to look to the Lord. Amen. Because, and I'm not saying that we don't think about the past and we don't think about these things. But what I'm saying is that when you come to God, you've got to learn to fix your eyes upon your Savior. And you, you can't keep living in the past. You can't keep driving your car looking in the rearview mirror with regrets and, and shoulda, woulda, couldas. But you've got to learn if you're going to make it in your walk with God you've got to fix your gaze upon your loving Savior and you've got to make up in your heart you've got to determine deep down in your spirit this is it God I'm going to live my life for you I'm going to follow you I'm going to set my course I'm going to set my direction because wherever you're looking at, that's where you're going to end up. Wherever your eyes are directed, that's your destination. That's where you're going to get to. So you've got to make up your mind, Lord, I'm going to look to you for everything in my life. I'm going to focus my heart's desire. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, sometimes we can get so focused on the things in our life, things in our hearts, circumstances, and we can even be filled with, filled with fear. And even when Jesus began to tell us what's going to be like in the last days, he said pestilences and earthquakes are going to come. Nations shall rise against nation. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be all kinds. There's going to be people, false Christ coming. He said, but don't you be afraid. Don't let your heart be filled with fear you know what he said he said take your eyes lift it up to heaven he said look up because your redemption our redemption is coming close it's drawing near oh I've come to preach to this church here this morning it's time for you to take your eyes of your circumstance of your own problems your issues and look to Jesus the author the finisher of our faith Hallelujah. Because what you behold, that's where you're going to go. What you look at, that's where you're going to end up. Amen. And I'm not just talking about the glances of the eyes. I'm talking about the direction of your heart. I'm talking about the longing of your spirit. What you long for, what you desire, what you focus your life upon. Amen. That's why... Jesus said, he said in, in Luke chapter 17, 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. And then in another spot, he says, no man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. If you want to come to know the Lord, if you want God to intervene into your life, it's going to come when you make up your mind. Get both feet in. Amen. It's not just a, a half-heartedness. It's got to be your all. God demands our all. He doesn't require that we are perfect, that we've got everything perfectly right. But what he requires is there's a willingness to surrender our everything, our all. And when we do, don't you remember the commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with 
all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. You might not have all the answers to life's problems. You might not know where you're going to go next week. But if you're willing to give Jesus your all, I promise you, you will look and God will lead you. He's going to direct your steps. He's got your tomorrow, your next week. He's got your 2025. You don't have to worry. But today, look to him. Today, trust in him. Hallelujah. Got to learn to look to him. Got to learn to trust in him. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to take your eyes off your circumstance and focus and behold the glory of the Lord. This is for somebody right now. Here's what he said to Jeremiah through Jeremiah. In 29 and 11, he said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. I don't know who this is for, but do you think your future, there's no future? You think hope is gone? It feels hopeless? Can I tell you, when God thinks about you, he's not thinking of your demise. He's not thinking of how to make life horrible for you. He said, I've got your future in hand. My thoughts for you, my intentions, my motivation for you, it is for good. It's for a future. It's for prosperity and blessing. Come on, I'm not talking about money. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Amen. But I'm talking about that he's going to prosper your soul. That even if you don't have every dollar, even if you even if you live from paycheck to paycheck, can I tell you your soul can still prosper? Can I tell you your spirit can still be filled with joy and peace and the power of God? It matters not how little materially you have. Oh, but if you're looking to Jesus, if your face is glazing, gazing towards him, his strength, his provision, his power is with you. Oh, he says, further than you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And he said, I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you shall search for me with, there it is, all of your heart. Amen. Maybe you haven't found him yet because you still got a part of your heart in the world. Maybe you haven't found him yet because your part of your heart is still with your boyfriend. or girl. You haven't found him yet because you haven't sought for him with all of your heart. It's got to demand everything. Hallelujah. This is perhaps what Paul was referring to when he said that when we look, we behold in a glass darkly. And we can't quite see clearly. But we got to keep our eyes on the Lord. And it says that is enough for us to become. He, he's refer, he referred to a story in the Old Testament of Moses when Moses was up on Mount Sinai in the presence of God, for 40 days he was fasting, he was praying, he was talking to the Lord. He was in the, as it were, the, 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 the abiding presence of the Shekinah glory of God. The, when after 40 days he stepped out from the mountain to the people of God, when they looked upon him, his face shined so brightly. It was his face turned into a light bulb that was brighter than the noonday sun that he had to put a veil over his face so that they can look at him and interact with him because it was so brilliant, the glory of God. 
The Bible says that Moses didn't even realize that his face was shining so bright. He didn't even recognize that his skin was glowing, emanating with such brilliance that the naked eye could not even look upon it. He didn't even know. See, that's what happens when you are gazing and looking into the face of Jesus. When you spend time with the Lord, when your heart is directed to his word, when your heart is directed to his face, when your heart is saying, God, I'm looking to you for every, sing every single thing in my life, for every circumstance and situation, for every need that I face, for every battle that I face, for every challenge that comes up against me, I'm looking to you, Lord. I'm trusting in you. I'm leaning upon you. Oh, I'm not taking my eyes off of you. I'm keeping my eyes fixed upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, uh, I often say I share all the time with my sermons two types of, uh, of illustrations that I use. Those of you that were here earlier probably heard me. I, I often talk about food or sport. After Jesus and my wife is my two passions in life. It's food and sport. My favorite shows to watch on YouTube, if I do, is cooking shows. I don't know why I do it to myself, especially when I'm fasting. I watch these cooking shows. I said, why do I do that? Not that it inspires me to get in the kitchen. <laughs> Brother David, I'm pretty lost in the kitchen. My wife's a good cook. But I, I, I grew up loving sports, playing sports. I wasn't the best sportsman, but I, I was a Michael Jordan fan in the, in the 80s. For those of you who are my generation, 1984 is Rookie of the Year. Michael Jordan, Rookie of the Year, 1984. What an incredible uh, first year that he had. Played and, and frustrated every season for the next several seasons because they couldn't beat the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys of, of basketball. Then suddenly they had a breakthrough and they won for, for three straight seasons. And then he retired to play baseball. Really dumb move, Michael. I just... <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against you. You're a billionaire, so if you, you want to bless this church, you hear this. <laughs> we need a new building because we're out of room. But in the, when he came back to, to basketball after a season, a couple of seasons in baseball, uh, they, they couldn't win. They didn't win the first year when he came back. They decided they needed another player. They needed somebody that was going to be tough, that was going to be able to get the rebound. Because you see, in basketball, the statistic is no matter how good they are, somebody like Steph Curry, who, who gets, I think, 30, 40 million a year a season for, for playing basketball, as good as he is, the best shooter in history, he only gets about between 30 to 40% of, of his attempted shots. Only 40%. 40 million a season. And he, and he only gets in 40% of the time. So 60% he misses. And so in order for, for Jordan's team to be successful, they needed another player. There was a missing ingredient. And so they recruited a guy by the name of Dennis Rodman. I know you're saying, what is he? Where is he going with this? I'm sorry. I'm getting lost talking about sport right now. Dennis Rodman was known as the worm, right? He was the worm because he, in any situation under the basket, he can worm his way to get to the basket and, and be able. He was a master rebounding. Hopeless of shooting, 
He couldn't shoot to save his life, but he could get the ball back. And when you were missing 60% of the time, you need to get access to the rebounds, called the rebound, so that you can get a second opportunity to get the ball in the basket and therefore win. And lo and behold, they would win three in a row, three-peat. From 1996 to 1998, they win three years in a row because of this man, Dennis Rodman. And I realized something about rebounding. When you rebound, the, what was so, he was so good at it. He wasn't always the biggest guy, but he never took his eye off the, of the ball, but he always knew where to go. And, and despite all of, the, all of the, the, the scuffles that's going on, all of the pushing in the show. Hang on, let, let me get a couple of guys help me here. No, no one too tall. <laughs> Somebody my height. Yeah, come over here. Okay, there's not many that's my idea. <laughs> uh, let my come here. <laughs> He's still taller than me. <laughs> uh, Jerome, come here. <laughs> so, so I'm Dennis Rodman, right? I, and these guys, I'm playing for the Bulls, right? The mighty Chicago Bulls, greatest basketball team. Okay, go on this side if you can. And these guys are the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. And we're, we're fighting for the rebound. So what we're doing, we're looking up in the air, but these guys are trying to push me away, right? They're trying to shove me. And, and I'm getting pushed from either side. These guys are trying to get in my way. But Dennis Rodman, he, he's always looking at the ball, never takes his eye off the ball. And, and even though they know, he knows where they are at. He knows where his opposition's at. They're pushing and shoving. They're fighting. It's okay. You can get a bit harder. It's okay. I'm, I'm not that soft. <laughs> They're looking at me, but I'm looking at the ball, and I know where they are. And because I'm keeping my eye on the ball, I'll be able to be able to get access to the ball before them. Because I've kept my eye on the ball, despite what is happening here, I don't lose focus of where the ball is going. Can I tell you, that's how we've got to be in our walk with God? Because we're going to miss sometimes. We're going to win. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're going to make mistakes. The devil's going to come at us. Not that you're the devil. Uh, opposition's going to come against us. But don't take your eyes off the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused. No matter what's going on in the circumstances of life, keep your eyes on the Lord. Say, God, you can sort this out. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get back up. Thank you. Come on, we can, we can rebound. We've got to be masters if you're going to make it in your walk with God. If you're going to make it in this spiritual walk, we've got to learn to be the masters of the rebound that we can get back up. No matter how many times we fall, we stumble. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. Just you can get up again when you look to Jesus, when you fix your eyes, when you behold the glory oh let's praise him right now lift your hands look to Jesus right now would you praise him oh be glory to God hallelujah hallelujah oh, look as fast as me I don't know is it dry is it dry outside mouth is so dry You got to keep looking. Remember, they, they were in the boat, the disciples of Jesus, the storms was raging. 
they were afraid for their lives. And then they, somehow they spied a figure walking in the horizon of the sea. They couldn't quite make it out at first. But rubbing their eyes, who is, what is that? It's a ghost. It's got to be a ghost if it's walking on water. But as the figure drew closer, they recognized it was Jesus. And, and so something, this, this uh, impulsive Peter, this impulsive, sometimes impetuous Peter said, man, if you're out there, Jesus, let me come with you. Bid me to come. And you know, Jesus, he always says, come on, come. You, you can use that as your template. That if you want to get closer to him, he'll never reject you. He'll always say, come. You want to get closer to me? Come. If you want to stay distant, he's not going to stop you. And so for a few moments in time, Peter lifted up his leg over the bow of that boat. And for a few moments... The miracle of walking on water was taking place. Jesus was not the only one walking on the water. Peter was walking on the water. You know what boggles my mind? How was it that the 11 disciples didn't want to get out in the water either? <laughs> only one guy wanted to walk on water. I've tried to walk on water when I was a new Christian. I said, well, it says in the Bible, the works he does, we can do also. So there I am at the edge of my parents' pool. In the name. So I just walk really, really fast. Almost running to see if I could get enough steps. But unfortunately. And so Peter was walking on water. Despite what the disciples might have thought. For a few moments he was walking in the miraculous. But then he took his eyes off the Lord. And began to look at the winds. Oh, I'm, I'm walking on water. This is crazy. The waves might have been going up and down like this. And then the Bible says when he started to look at the elements, he started to be filled with fear. And then he began to sink. Amen. That's what happens. Sometimes when you take your eyes off the Lord... When you take your eyes off Jesus, that you'll begin to sink. But thank God, Jesus was right there. And when he reached out to him, Jesus will help them up and put them back up on that water. Amen. Can I tell you, we've got to, no matter what storm, don't focus on the storm. Don't focus on the problem. Uh, your problem could get so big, it could feel like it's insurmountable, uh, that it's just going to overwhelm you and, uh, and envelop you because you're, you're focusing too much on the problem. But you've got to learn to develop spiritual eyes. You've got to learn to be able to see beyond the circumstance and say, God, I'm going to look to you. Hallelujah. Problems at work, I'm going to look to you, Jesus. Problems at home, I'm looking to you, Jesus. Amen. Problems in church. Amen. For my future, for my money, I'm going to look to you. When I'm in the good times, I'm going to look to you. When I'm in the valley, I'm going to look to you. My heart is directed. I don't know where I'm going to get my help. I don't know the answers to my problems. But I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to look to him because he began this thing. And I am confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you. He has the ability to perform it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. If you're here today. He started something in you 
You think, well, I've gone through the wilderness. I don't know. I'm in circles. Let me tell you, he can finish it. He can accomplish it. He can complete what he started. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I had time. It says, the, when you behold, we are, the Bible says we are being transformed. The more you spend in the presence of God, before you know it, something changes that you don't even realize, like Moses didn't even realize his face was shining so bright, something changes in us. Listen, there's only so much that fellowship can do, and when we encourage fellowship, it's necessary. There's only so much that, that, that giving can do, and giving is very important. But you've got to learn to develop a relationship with God for yourself. You've got to learn to find a prayer closet where you can shut the door to the world and say, God, I don't know about all this prayer stuff, but I do know in Scripture that, that the, your, your, your children, your apostles, your prophets, they got alone with you. They talk to you like a friend. They talk to you like Abraham as a man talks to his friend. They, they were able to commune with you. Listen to me. That will be the source of your strength. That no matter what, what, what trouble and how hard you are being persecuted, you can always look to him. It's okay. I'm looking to Jesus. I don't have the answers. I don't have the way to go through the problems. But I'm looking to Jesus. Amen. All this problems behind me, I'm looking to Jesus. You got a promotion on the job? Thank you, Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. God's been using you. Amen. I'm thank you, Jesus. You got lots of friends? I'm still looking at Jesus. You don't have any friends? I'm looking at Jesus. Amen. No matter what the, the rebound, I'm fixing my eyes. I'm looking to Jesus. Because what you look at, what you behold, you will become. Hallelujah. Of course, I'm talking about the Spirit of Almighty God. The Bible says that it's what the angels looked into is what we have. In Peter, in the, the epistles of Peter, he says the angels desired to look into that they couldn't have. And that is none other than what we experience in the New Testament, the New Covenant that Jesus paid for, gave to us, is that we can have forgiveness of our sins and we can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the gift of the Spirit of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Here's what he said in John chapter 17. He says, In the glory which you give me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. He says, That glory that I've, you've given me, I've given to your children so that they may become united. And then he says in John 14, we go back a few chapters, in verse 16 to 18, he says, and I will pray, this is Jesus now, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. He says, I want to pray and give you another comforter. Another comforter because Jesus has to leave and go back to heaven. 
And then he says in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, neither knows him. But he says, but you know him for he dwells with you and watch this and shall be in you. This is the prayer of Jesus. This is the promise of Jesus is that the comforter will come to be with us and to be in us. And then he says in verse 18, he gives us revelation right here. He says, and I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I'm going to send a comforter, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And then he says this, I will come to you. In other words, the comforter is none other than Jesus. He said, I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Hallelujah. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Ghost. Again, he prophesied, he said in those words in John, he said, on that day, he said, if anybody is thirsty, if you're thirsty, he's not talking about actual physical thirst, but if you're thirsty for spiritual thirst, if there's something within inside of you that's thirsty, your parts, your mouth, your heart is dry. He said, let him come to me and drink. He says, if you come and drink, something's going to come out of you. He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. He's not talking about a literal river. He says, this spake he of the Holy Ghost. He said, if you're thirsty, you come to Jesus and drink. He said, out of your belly, out of your innermost heart and being will flow the rivers of living water. I believe he's talking about beholding the glory of God when we are baptized inside our spirit with the spirit of Almighty God. And you can be born again. You can be renewed. You can be transformed. Hallelujah. This morning, this afternoon, you can receive this wonderful gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. That when you behold him, when you first get the Holy Ghost, I remember the first time I got the Holy Ghost. At age 19, I was so happy because I felt, I couldn't explain it in words. It was joy that I couldn't put to words because, you see, I just have been living the last several years in drugs and alcohol and immorality, trying as a young man, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old in this country, trying to find some semblance of peace and joy. I was lost. I was on the streets. I was, I was living in a drug house, doing all kinds of stuff. And when I got the Holy Ghost for the first time, I came, within three minutes, I was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God filled me, because that's what the Bible says, whenever they got the Holy Ghost, there was an evidence, a sign, they were speaking in tongues. And I had the Holy Ghost. I had such a case of the Holy Ghost. I was speaking in tongues so much that when the service was through, everybody was leaving to go get McDonald's. I was still at the altar and praying, and I didn't want the tongues to stop because I thought if I stopped it, it would be gone. And so I kept praying. I said, I couldn't even, I thought I couldn't speak English anymore. I don't want this to stop. This is the best feeling. I thought about all the drugs I took, all the partying that I did, combine all of the joy of, of the pleasure of partying and alcohol, and I combine that, still cannot compare to the joy that I felt. I didn't want it to stop. I was praying in tongues so much. Brother Mo came up to me and said, come on, bro, we got to go. They're closing the church. And I said, I just pointed to my mouth and said, uh, speaking in tongues. And he said, oh, come on, man, put your hand over your mouth and let's go. 
So I literally, I put my speaking in tongues, walked out of the church in Belmore. We were in Belmore then in Burwood Road. I walked out and I felt like I was walking on a cloud. I didn't have my Air Maxes on. I didn't have my Nikes on, but I felt like I was so light. I was walking on a cloud. I'm telling you, amen. Don't, I said, don't lose focus. Don't lose sight. Behold the spirit and the glory of God by virtue of the spirit that is for whosoever will he said if any man is thirsty anyone any woman is thirsty hallelujah doesn't matter how you look like what you dress like where you're from you can come from Timbuktu you can come from from the furthest part of the earth but if you can hear this gospel and look into the glory of the face of Jesus that he is the king of kings he is the, the lord of the spirit he is the spirit hallelujah you can be filled i know this is this message is so simple but for me, it's been so helpful and powerful to be able to see when the try, when the pressure is on, there's a temptation to look within the shame and the guilt. It says, man, you know, you're no good. You... And then there's a temptation to, to look at others and blame others for my problems. It's your fault. That's why I'm feeling this way. And that is so, it's so easy for us to blame others, to look at our own issues, and that can overwhelm us. But it causes many, I know myriads of people that have walked away from God. I've walked away from God because of the same thing. But I've realized, like the rebound, Lord, I'm looking to you. A problem here? Okay, I'm looking to you. Okay, issues here? I'm going to go back to prayer. I'm going to look to you, Lord. I lost my job. Lord, I'm looking to you. I've got another problem. I'm looking to you. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm looking to you, Lord. I'm not taking my eyes off of you. <laughs> well, you can't see him. It says in a glass darkly. It's not. It's not very defined. It's the the image is not very sharp in the mirror. But it doesn't matter. It's enough. It's enough for you to become. It says enough for you to become more and more. You we go from glory to glory. Amen. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Trust in him for everything, for your children. Trust in him for your future. Trust in him for your ministry. Trust in him for that house. Trust in him for that car. It all comes from him. When you behold his glory, you become more like him. I was reading this story, and I'm coming to a close. My second closing just to give you hope. <laughs> Second Samuel, David has ascended the throne. He's already king. And yet trouble never leaves him. He's always got trouble. This time it's his son. His son, Absalom, is insurrecting, trying to create his own following to lead the people away from the king. David loves his son so much, but they have to pursue after him. But in their pursuit, he's got his, his army with him, his mighty man. There's a man by the name of Shimei from the household of Saul who's on the other side of the river. He picks up some stones and starts throwing stones at David. One guy calling him, you're a dog. 
to David the king, the celebrated hero of the slayer of Goliath. And so his soldiers are like, who does this guy think he is? David, you want me to kill him for you? I'll go, I'll go snap his neck right now. This guy. How dare he talk like that to the king? L listen to what he says. Get it up there for me if you got it. Second uh, Samuel. His, his, his right-hand man, Abishai, says, I'm going to kill this guy for you. As King David came, okay, go to verse number 6. Watch this. He threw stones at the king and his kings and officers and the mighty warriors who surrounded him. All his boys were there. This one guy, come on. That's how I used to act when I was 16. Come on. Because all my boys are here. But, but Shimei had nobody. Verse number 7. He says, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. Now, David didn't do anything to Saul or his household. He was, he was good buddies. His BFS was Jonathan. Number, number eight, the Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Making these accusations. I mean, cutting words. Words like a knife. Has anybody ever said that? Have you ever felt that way? Somebody speaking so, so toxic and so vile, like you just feel wounded, like, oh, ouch. Verse 9. So his, his servant, why should, Abishai says, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? This is dead. He's, he's as good as dead. Let me go over and cut off his head. <laughs> oh, for some friends like that. Verse number 10. No, watch this, said the king. Who asked your opinion? He's telling off his own, his own general. He says, who, who asked you your opinion, you sons of Zariah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Go to the next verse. Watch this. Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse me, for the Lord has told him to do it. What, what a different perspective. What a different view of life and a different way of interpreting our circumstance. And perhaps, watch this, verse number 12. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged because he hasn't done anything wrong to Saul's clan. And will bless me because of these curses today. In other words, David is saying, don't, don't stop them from cursing me. Bring it on. You want to curse me, devil? Now, now, let me make a little disclaimer. Sometimes we are the authors of our own demise. We are the authors of our own calamity. We, we, we bring it on ourselves. But here's David said, let him do it. Because if I am being attacked for something I didn't do, if I am being persecuted for something I didn't do, I never did anything to them and they want to keep doing it, I know that God will use that to, to turn it around and begin to pour out a blessing in my life. I, I know this is not for everybody. 
But what a perspective that this man David had. He said, no, leave him alone. Let him curse me. Let him do it because I know if I'm being cursed, if I'm suffering for something I did not do, God is going to redeem something from that. I'm going to get a blessing from something I didn't do. Oh, I know this is difficult to understand, but when your eyes is upon the Lord, when your perspective is a little higher, when you expand your peripheral vision and see that the hand of God is upon your life, when persecution comes, when trouble comes, when they're criticizing you, when they're stabbing you on the back, when they're doing things against you and you're not retaliating, you're not said anything back to them, oh, I promise you, oh, there's a blessing. You ought to rejoice amen that's why he said in James oh when bad things happen when you are under trial rejoice count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation that you are counted worthy to suffer for Christ oh hallelujah am I talking to anybody here this morning this afternoon is there anybody that hears what I'm saying You can learn to look to Jesus no matter what. You can behold him through the verb by virtue of his Holy Spirit that can fill you. Musicians, you can come. come. I've got to stop. I'm sorry. I've got to finish. I'm sorry for taking so long. But I believe God wants to do something here today to give us a people that are fixed on him. Don't, Don't leave the mirror. And it's not the mirror where you see your reflection. It's a glass where you see his reflection. Amen. It may not be very clear. Oh, but that's enough. You keep going to your prayer room. You abide in the presence of God. Come on, somebody. You, you've got to graduate before, uh, beyond this 15-minute prayer. You've got to learn. If you want to get deeper with God, if you want to see his glory transform you, you've got to go beyond just the five-minute prayer. I'm not talking about salvation. We already saved when we are born again but I'm talking about walking with him in a relationship of faith the more you spend time with somebody the more you become like them ever notice that I remember when I first came to this country I was 16 years old when I came lived most of my life overseas in Singapore, Sri Lanka and the Philippines I came here at 16 and you know, I'll be honest with you I couldn't tell the difference between an Australian accent and a New Zealand accent. Don't throw stones at it. But my first few friends in this country were, were Kiwis. I had my, my, my good buddy, Eric. If you're listening, Eric, love you, bro. He's from New Zealand. And I was hanging out with all these New Zealanders, and I started saying words in the sound of Kiwi. They, they, I had people come to me and say, oh, are you New Zealander? I go, what? No, man. But, but, but the more you spend time with folks, the more you, you start to talk like them, sound like them, like the things that they like, enjoy the things that they enjoy. That's why it, it's so important, young people, who, who your friends are, Somebody said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You got to make sure that when your friends come around to pick you up, that they really pick you up and not put you down. Because you will be like them. I want to pose a challenge to you today. 
to begin to behold fix your eyes look with the intent of your heart and this this message can go a lot deeper than this but, but beholding is where your, your heart is yearning towards if your heart is just yearning towards a person it, it, it's gonna fall short if it's yearning towards material things or accomplishment it, it, it won't last it's it's, it's gonna fall short but if your heart says God Jesus I'm crazy about you I love you I want to live my all for you these people in the Bible did they, they gave their all they lived for all for everything for God and you and I have the same opportunity would you stand to your feet here today? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in me here this morning. This afternoon, I feel like God is leading somebody to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you've never received this gift, you can experience this today. We've got Brother Robinette coming. That's going to be tremendous. But we don't have to wait till the winds conference. But today you can receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost because it's for whosoever will. Or maybe perhaps you've drifted, you've, you've, you've focused your eyes on other things and you can't see how to get through. I believe God is calling us to, to gaze, to, to look and behold His image, His glory. Would you lift your voices right now all over this building in Jesus' name. Lift your hands right now into heaven. Lift your voices in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can look to you now. Lord, we lift our eyes above our own situation, our own hearts that can condemn us, and we lift our eyes to heaven to look to you. We're, we're leaning on you, in you, Lord. We're leaning into you, Lord Jesus. We're looking to you. We're putting our hearts trust in you let god all of it lord we, we know that you are in control we know that you are able and so today let god we want to submit our lives to your hands hallelujah in the name of jesus i want to open up this altar if you'd like to come and you want to receive this wonderful gift of the holy ghost i want you to come to the middle right here you've never spoken in tongues maybe if you can ask your neighbor if you'd like to receive the holy ghost so you can come with them pray with them you receive the holy ghost right here in the middle if you need to just say, Lord, I need to get my relationship right with you, find a place in this other sections of this altar. But this is now our time to pray. This is now our time to respond to his word. If you have a need here today, God can meet that need and minister to you. You need healing in your body. You can be healed. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Bible encourages us. God's word. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and it shall be opened. If you need something from God. Or you simply say, Lord, I want to look to you. There's a place at this altar for you to pray. As ministers and leaders, ministers' wives, leaders' wives are making their way to pray. Why don't we make this house a house of prayer right now and talk to the Lord. Even in your seat, you can talk to him. Lift your hands, lift your voices, and let God do a work in your life today. Look to you, Lord Jesus, for the answers. We look to you for help. We look to you for our, our emotion.
our emotional needs. We're low, but God, we're looking to you for your strength. Hallelujah. Let's seek him while he may be found.